Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the Three and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the Three and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. All right, guys, it is less than a week since we last did a pod, and the league is still wobbly and recovering from its <laughs> headache. Uh, <laughs> Lori Markinen is still an early MVP candidate. Give this guy some Tylenol now. <laughs> Tomato Westbrook. juice, Tabasco. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Pedialyte is... is the hint from what I hear. Stick your head in a freezer. Had <laughs> <laughs> a certain friend recommend Pedialyte in a trip to New in a trip to New York. It really it really let him let him go a little further than normal. <laughs> Hydrate. Hydrate MPA. Guys, I got more examples here. Oh, uh... sorry. Mari marketing. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh Westbrook is still thriving as a six man. And the Jazz and Blazers are still near the top of the West. And apparently what the Jazz are averaging about 130 points a game now. <laughs> or is that, am I undershooting that? <laughs> Speaking of the Blazers from a unbiased, purely objective standpoint, the highlight of last week was when the Blazers, Jeremy Grant made a buzzer beater with just one second on the clock remaining to defeat the Phoenix Suns on the road. The low light, of course, is when the Blazers had to stay in Phoenix to play the Suns the next <laughs> no, evening. That's the worst. And got, got pummeled by an undisclosed amount. Uh. <laughs> I just pictured him in the in the they run in the locker room. They're like, "Let's get out of here. We did it. Let's go." It's like, guys, I have I have good news and I have bad news. <laughs> I know that's why like, I understand that you need to cut back on on you know the travel. It makes sense to right. do this to just stay in the same place for two days in a row. But yeah, I like miss the old days when you could just hit a buzzer beater and get out of town. <laughs> well, especially right. you filled the men, you did fill the mention. No, no Simons, no Dame, and they still I know, pulled it off. I yeah. know. I know that was huge. I mean, how they scored more than 75 points is beyond me, to be really honest. Yeah. And then of course, tonight, another buzzer beater, Josh Hart in the corner after Miami had tied it. Anyway, more about the Blazers later on. Uh, Kyrie do you think, Irving. Do you, think, do you think Josh Hart has a chance to become Portland's native son? Like, like, do you go surpass Dame at like midseason or just by the end of the year in terms of how much like middle aged white dudes like Josh Hart as a player in Portland? <laughs> I, I think he's approaching Jerome Kersey right now, but <laughs> Lillard's still a little higher up there. Okay. The chain. Okay. Wasn't he? Wasn't didn't he take over like Joe Ingles' house or something? There was some. There was some. No, it was uh, Larry Nance Jr. That brought him into the heart of all the Blazer Edge guys when they were tweeting back and forth, and he was making fun of like the art that was in Larry Nance's house and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or when he lost his AirPods twenty times, he's relatable, guys. He's relatable. <laughs> all right, the big story from last week: Kyrie Irving is serving his suspension. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but it's been reported that the Nets have made six demands that he needs to meet in order to be reinstated. Um, and the, the research team did some digging on this. We got some inside sources uh, who were able to get us a copy of the list. So I have here the uh, six <laughs> things that Kyrie needs to do. And, you know, he did do he did satisfy their demands for an apology. Finally, I think he he's doing 
you know, he's going to engage the Jewish community. He's going to give money. So that that's this is this is outside of the six. These are actually more more basketball things, with one exception. Um, <laughs> but with that preface, here we go. Uh, number one, he has to admit that the Earth is round. <laughs> it's, done. <laughs> it's a done. He's done. <laughs> Uh, number two, he has to persuade Durant to commit to being a Brooklyn net for the rest of his career. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a big ask, but yeah, uh, he has to apologize for ever recruiting DeAndre Jordan to join the team when he was well past his prime. <laughs> Is there an addendum to that, that he has to recuse the fact that they were ever called the big three? <laughs> uh, number four, he has to admit that the holacracy was a failed experiment and it was all his idea. Uh, number six, ensure Ben Simmons gets his first game of scoring at least 10 points by January or the suspension restarts. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> Earth is flat and Simmons scoring 10 points. Not, not happening. Sorry. <laughs> and then uh, the last one is uh, follow Durant's lead and create a fake Twitter account if he wants to spew his propaganda. So, <laughs> some are more reasonable than others. Okay. <laughs> I like that list. Although I do kind of wonder if Kyrie should just skip to the 12 steps. That might be the, <laughs> that might be the better, the better approach, man. Oh yeah. I still feel like seeing the original list. I still feel like they're treating him like a child though. It, it's like, okay, you didn't apologize correctly. Like we talked about last week. So you're going to get punished for that. Not just for the substance of what you did. And now it's like, all right, you need to clean your room. You mm. need to uh, take out the trash. Um, you need to make sure you do your homework. Um, and uh, be nice to your sisters all week, and then you can have your TV back. It's, it's just—I like, mean, that's the it, yeah. It's like not only is they treating them like a child, but it's like it's like an old school style of parenting that like every modern parenting book suggests is maybe not the way to do it anymore. Right. <laughs> Use that's a right. better tone of voice and do things. You know, yeah. It's all it's all performative. Earn your love. Earn the love. That's I'm surprised he's going for it for someone who was so defiant or has been defiant for the last couple of years and he does not like to be controlled so i do wonder if it's going to get to a point where he's going to just uh, uh rebel against these uh against the parents here who are laying down the laws well i, 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 I think 30 million bucks is pretty helpful well i, I do I think, and i think too that i think nike pulling his shoe and suspending him actually may have had the most impact of anything just because that was the thing Kyrie always had is he always had this popularity with of his shoes and the money, not just the money, but the cachet of being, you know, of his generation. Like if you consider him behind LeBron and maybe even Durant to a certain degree is like the most popular, you know, basketball um, guy at Nike in terms of the popularity of his shoes with being kids loved him, you know, uncle drew and all of his handles and finishing and just the way he played. So he was super popular and, and, you know, we all know like LeBron makes more money from endorsements and Nike is his biggest endorsement of any that he makes being paid to play. And I think Kyrie was in a similar boat. So I think the fact that they said no more, I think it's like, Oh wait, like I can't, this is not like my rebel image is not, you know, it's not paying off. I'm losing kind of the lifeblood of my, career and my my uh sort of you know, the, my perspective and kind of who i'm who i am so i think that had a big part to do with it 
I did true. see it reported today that his $500,000 donation to the ADF was rejected. So, so not exactly off to the best start. Oh, really? So, wow. <laughs> so does that count as a check on that one? Or not? Yeah. <laughs> Incomplete. Like, it's like when you ask, it's like, okay, you got to say sorry to your, uh, your your sister and she has to forget she has to say yeah. i forgive you oh wait didn't say i forgive you so that was a count <laughs> no tv for you <laughs> oh man yeah it's a it's a tough thing i i think it's i agree with people like we we're giving you give guys sort of a give them outside influence but they have the influence right i mean just with their because of the shoes because of his cachet like you know, 6 million followers on his Instagram or something. It's, he has a lot of pull and a lot of influence. So it's just, uh, it's a really unfortunate situation. It is. All right. Last thing I'm going to mention here is uh, the situation with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Steve, Steve Kerr decided uh, that the best way to handle this losing streak that they called the, the road trip from hell was to, uh, bench his starters and have a little tryout session for the last game of the trip against the Pelicans. Uh, he's been talking about making a lineup change and we've all been holding our breath. And it appeared that the change was going to be playing Kaminga at least 10 more minutes a game. Uh, but it turns out it means it's giving like 10 minutes to Ty Jerome and Anthony <laughs> Lamb. Uh, so I don't know what he's doing. I guess he did bench to start the second half tonight. He, 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 he played pool. He went small and benched uh, uh, Looney. But uh, I don't know, guys. What's going on with Colton State? They won tonight <laughs> barely against a uh, home against the Kings. But wait, uh, and all behind the uh, the strong back of Steph Curry going for forty seven on I think fifteen of twenty one shooting. So it's not Incredible. like uh, it, it was an everyday kind of walk in the park performance by Curry just to pull it off. I mean. It is. It's fascinating watching the the Warriors so far because you just. I'm curious if you know if there is something to sort of gel there, and if they if this is just a bit of a kind of a rough start, or if there's just some structural issues here. Because you know, to me, it's twofold. It's. I mean, the the, the defense has traditionally been the calling card. I mean, despite the fact that they're the Splash Brothers and they shoot all the threes and. It's it's they've really hung their hat on being a consistent defensive team and they just they don't have it. I mean, that's a, that's the, it's the weirdest thing watching them. They're just it's just they're a turnstile on defense um, and whether it's Draymond at the back line, not being able to do what he's traditionally done or clay on the perimeter, not being able to stay in front of any sort of kind of slashing the wings. You know, they just don't have the players beyond someone like Wiggins and, and Looney in the 20 minutes a night he typically plays to really get stops in a consistent fashion. And so, you know, that, that may be a bit of, you know, clay continuing to work himself back into some semblance of shape. I'm a little less hopeful there. Whereas Draymond sure seems like he kind of is a guy who turns it on and off. So that's probably the one thing you hang your hat on in terms of what could, could be kind of come back to fruition, but you know, there's all the baggage with Draymond too. So, you know, it's certainly growing more and more concerning when, you know, they lose five or six in a row and try to throw everything at they've got at it and still only eke out a W against Sacramento. But, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it kind of plays out. It's one of the bigger crises they've had here in this now second phase of, of the, of the, the success that they found. Um, 
So I don't know. That, that, that's the big part to me, the defense. But I mean, Ryan, what do you see? Real quick, though, they did bench Wiseman. So that was the other piece to Curry's plan. So they are one to know with without Wiseman, just just for the record. <laughs> yes, they've uh, they, they've seen the light, apparently. Yeah, I, I mean, I was a little surprised that he'd only played Kaminga nine minutes tonight after that was something he was putting, putting out there that, okay, we're going to play Kaminga more. He got more run, especially the game when the starters didn't play and they were going to kind of keep investing in him. But I think, you know, the the, the spirit of Judd Bushler lives on and Ty Jerome. So it's like <laughs> Kirk, Kirk can't help himself. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, like – yeah, Looney does some good things, but it's it's hard to play with a one-dimensional player. And it's I think it's just that they're they're limited in what they can do. And I think Clay is just can't I mean I don't think it's the offense. The shooting will come and go. It's just the he can't guard anybody. Like we we were I know before we started, we were watching the end of the Kings Warriors game and and Wiggins can take one of the good perimeter guys, but he took the main one in Fox and then obviously Curry is going crazy in offense. He needs to hide on defense and rest. And then, so Clay's got to guard somebody and Malik Monk is just, you know, taking him to the rack at the end of the game. And he's not, Malik Monk's known as a shooter. He can, he's athletic, but it's not necessarily like his calling card. So I think that's the biggest thing in the starting lineup is just that Clay and it's, and then it's like, well, who do you play if you don't play Clay? Because without GP two, they really don't have a perimeter Another perimeter defender. Um Vincenzo is hurt, but he's not that guy. Jermichael Green's, you know, bigger guy. So they really need one of those guys to step up. And I and I obviously the the younger guys haven't stepped up yet, and that's contributing to the problem. But there's just something off, even when the starters have had a good net rating together, that it shouldn't be that that's so great, and then everything else is a disaster, and they're losing these close games because of it. So um and I also think I honestly think Moody has been a disappointment too, because all we were told the last year and a half was that he was the like most stable one. He was the veteran. He kind of knew he had more experience in college and he was like very dependable and did the right thing and he knew where to go. But he's not playing either. So it's not just it's just <laughs> like the the guys who didn't play in high school, you know, didn't play in college and are and are struggling. I I think it's 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 um you know, that none of those guys are, are getting the run that they need. And they need those guys. And they need those ath- athletic kind of wing guys who can play both ways. So so we'll see. I think they'll continue to mix and match. But it's just really hard because Clay's probably still better than those guys right now. But I don't think he's – like Michael said, I don't think he's going to come back. I I, I know it's, like he was out for two years, three years. Like I, I, Clay's amazing. But I don't think you regain – lateral quickness you know like it's not like you work your way back to having like i mean elite i mean his probably wasn't he wasn't like the quickest guy in the league but he could stay in front of anybody almost and he can't do that anymore so so the only guy they have that can do that now is wiggins and that's just that's very tricky defensively Um, are are you saying you can't cultivate the art of a defensive slide um steve kerr would beg to differ Uh, but no yeah i think um, no matter how many times you slap the, the floor, uh, <laughs> it, it uh, you still have to have some some quickness in those legs. Um, but I do wonder. I mean, we were I think we were joking. I think you 
in your last lay of the league last week, do you, you think you mentioned, you, you know, we're going to start talking about LaMelo ball again and the Wiseman pick, but I, I do wonder if the, like the Franz Wagner pick or Wagner mm. Franz Franz Wagner, Franz Wagner. Um, I think it's it, Frank Wagner, Frank Wagner in yeah. Michigan. They call him Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> Michigan, <laughs> Upstate. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's the pick actually. I mean, it's crazy, right? They won the title last year, so it doesn't matter, but I mean, again, could you imagine Wagner with these guys? He'd be perfect with them. Yeah, he can do everything. He can shoot. He can play off the ball on the ball. So it's just still crazy. They went over three with those picks, and they still won the title. It's amazing. <laughs> Good for them. Well, they're my buyer's remorse because I I thought they were going to run it all back again. So I shouldn't. As much as I would give try to give Michael a hard time for. Minnesota or uh, the Clippers. Uh, that was my big pick. So, or was I the only one that had that? Then run it back. No, I had him in the title. I think I have a title game. I have Milwaukee okay. winning it, but I'm, yeah. I'm right. I think we're all with you. It it didn't. And I don't think there's anyone in the West right now. I mean, Phoenix has played really well. The Blazers are playing great, like we're talking about. But there's not. The Clippers aren't good so far. We'll see what happens with Leonard. You could say the wolves are. I mean, it's it's still, you know, it's still uh, they're still nursing the hangover in the West. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, the Warriors have time. It's it's not like they don't have time to kind of get this, get this figured out. I just, and I think Steph still Steph. So he will he will keep. I mean, they're not losing by like tons of points, but they do have a negative differential, a negative net rating. So we'll see what happens. I was just so close to picking the the Jazz to go all the way. I just <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't commit to it. Well, Danny Ainge, he he, uh, the pride of Oregon, he 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 forgot the first rule of tanking. Um, it's that you you hire a coach that the first coach to get you through the tank, and then you actually hire the really good coach after the tank is is done, and you're starting to try to win. Like he hired the really good coach to start <laughs> off with. He just forgot that he thought Doc Rivers was a really good coach, but he was actually the perfect tanking coach. Right. But then he made it through the tank and won. So he just, I don't know if he, he forgot that, but yeah, they have, uh, they have it working, man. It's impressive. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're an offensive juggernaut. They, they are insane. I mean, the fact that they have these different elements that again, were sort of this like, you know, the pile of abandoned toys or something like that. And, it turns out they all just, you know, they're all rooting for each other. They're all excited about what they're doing. I mean, they're nine and three. I mean, and maybe there's some schedule benefits there, but I mean, they're nine and freaking three. I mean, yeah, they have a I, legit net rate. I mean, net rating's like, you know, top they're like, they're, six they're or like seven half, in the league. Yeah. They're yeah. halfway to their over under. And they traded Bogdanovich for, for scraps before the season started. They're oh like, my, they that's a good point. Away. That's true. Oh and my gosh. And they're still like nine and three. It's crazy. I mean, what marketing's doing makes you think like, what was Jim Boylan and the Bulls doing the last like four years? Because I mean, before he went to the Cavs, but it's you know, it, it, like marketing's like, I mean, through twelve games, like a real dude. Like you, oh yeah. Like what is marketing? Marketing's career through these twelve games and like what the future looks like for him is so catastrophically different than it was like six weeks ago. It's like it's wild to me to watch something change on a dime that fast uh but it you know i can't think of anything similar well and you and you look at chicago 
and you know they let you know Markkinen left. They traded for Vucevic. Um, so they had Wendell Carter Jr. who's playing well in Orlando. They had Markkinen, and they had the two picks. One that became Mister Mister Frank Wagner. So it's like, man, they'd be pretty good with those three dudes. Uh, the four, the five, and the three. That would be a pretty nasty front court. Yeah, I mean, like, if they could have traded for Markkinen and kept their gang back together again, like, would they be competing for the title? Like, like was he the missing link? Because it's, it is impressive. I mean, they have real basketball players, but he's the one, he's the one making it all flow. Or maybe it's just the, you know, four leaf clover, Kelly Olenek that, uh, Danny Ainge's good luck charm. So maybe, maybe that was the key. Maybe Bogey got him, got him Olenek and, they can play outside in like the bubble heat. I just Matt, I was I was like a year off on marketing fantasy basketball because I had him last year and there was a lot of three for seven games there or two for five games. But now that he's just got free reign, he never misses. Well, I think now he's just celebrating that he doesn't have to guard centers anymore. Yeah, <laughs> which which right. he did for about half the season last year. Once once the two bigs in Cleveland got hurt. Um, but they're they're like legitimately fun to watch too. It's really odd. It's like this odd dynamic where for for a team that was so incredibly toxic and unfun to watch the last like two plus seasons, it's uh it's just a joy to watch all those guys do stuff and and be kind of just weird. I mean, they're just kind of weird. I mean, watching Olinick and Mark and it doesn't exactly strike fear into your 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 defensive key, <laughs> but uh they sure they sure pull it off somehow. No, but you play outside in, you invert your offense and it opens up room for Sexton and Clarkson and Conley and Beasley and Tucker Horton Tucker to get in the lane. I mean, it's funny, right? It's like, you just got to clear space one way or another. You got to give space to people to do stuff. I mean, Mark is only 25. It's not like he's like, he's just entering his prime years. Yeah. It's crazy. And he's one of those guys coming out of school. I was just so sure was going to be good. And then he just wasn't. I mean, it's just the guy. Yeah. Some, of the, some of the guys that sort of bend, like bend your brain, and yeah. and the, to watch him. Then now, you know, again, it's been twelve games, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But to watch him go, like, oh, this is a like he's a real NBA player now. You know, this is like in a way that you know could potentially yeah. find okay. like a real serious role. I realized the the only comparison I can think of you were trying to say is there a precedence for this uh, in the. Uh... 90s i think it was the early 90s remember when um westhead he resurfaced as the coach of the denver nuggets and he was running the uh you know the run and shoot offense and then orlando rule ridge oh yeah in and started averaging like 30 points a game <laughs> yeah, yeah. like where where did he come from <laughs> well yeah this is this is one of the uh the mitchell trade we all knew it was a classic win-win trade right for both sides so just yeah. like we just like we expected um yeah it's it's in the the Cavs are so we were talking before as well about the Cavs being so fun to watch and I, I they actually remind me i was thinking a little bit of the uh this is kind of a strange comparison but the like the you know the the bad boy pistons maybe without the bad part or the boy part but just the fact that they have these big guys who are great on defense and then they have these guards who just like are the going to score have the ball in their hands all the time and are small but are going to like attack the rim and do a bunch of stuff and they don't have a Dumars they do kind of have like a Kevin Love like kind of a Lambeer type shooter you know they have they have just a bunch of big guys and they have a bunch of little guards and they don't have much in between so i was it's 
when you have great big guys who can defend though, you can you can make it work. I mean, they're they're destroying the league right now. I mean, they're like it's like they're right behind the box in terms of net rating. I think again, Michael, you were saying before the pod about how great it'll be to see them in the playoffs against Milwaukee. It's just like look, look how far we've come this fast. It's crazy. And Garland misses a lot of games with the injury, but and it seems like he and Mitchell are playing well together. That was a big question mark, right? Can they can it work with them with those two? But uh, they seem quite compatible. The lesson is all the lesson as always, the French are assholes. So that's the <laughs> <laughs> I am so I it is uh it's been a fat it's been fascinating to watch it all come together because they do they now they don't just do like I feel like ball dominating guards when they come together often they don't mesh for a while. It's a little bit of like your turn, my turn. And it doesn't feel like Mitchell and Garland have that as much. They seem to really like have some synergies in terms of slashing off of each other, kicking. They're both such good shooters. So maybe I think that makes it what's unique about them. I will say they, they do hit some kind of clogged toilet moments as an offense when they have both of those big guys on because one of them, they're, they're both sort of like post lows. They're sort of sitting along the baseline and you get a whole lot of like dumps to Jared Allen that you wish were lobs, but instead of like bounce passes to like jump hooks. So yeah. There's, there's, there's yeah, a variety of those in like, yeah. in like eight feet that, that, that did not make me feel super excited about. I'm like, Jared Allen's a nice player. He's certainly the fourth of those four. And uh, I'm not sure I want to take <laughs> jump hooks at, at eight feet all that often. Yeah, he's either the uh, is he the Sally, the Mahorn, the James Buddha Edwards. I don't know. You <laughs> pick. There's a lot. There's a lot to choose from. <laughs> yeah, but their net ratings off the kids. The other thing that I've just been tracking is the Lakers. Obviously, they lost tonight to the Jazz. They just are struggling. And everyone's saying how bad their offense is, and. um They've had a good, I mean, I think before tonight, overall, their defensive rating has been solid, but their offense is atrocious. Do you know who basically is the same, is the mirror image of them? Who's that? Their, their cross-town rival, the Clippers. They have uh, the second worst offense in the league, and they have one of the best defenses. I mean, it is, the basketball in LA being played right now is just, it's just terrible. And it, do you think with the Clippers, is it, it's obviously Leonard. And you got to have your best player to be good. But I, I think the wasn't the feeling that they had enough guys that they could kind of hold together like they've done off and on the last few years and wouldn't need to rely on him so much? Or like, what do you guys see there? Like, what's the hold everything? They they upset the 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 Cavaliers. They came back in the fourth by quarter. Two, came back. Like I said, <laughs> they, were, they were down they eight over, over overtaken by events in life. That's just further proof that the NBA is uh, yes, very out of whack t- right now. Tipsy turvy. Wow. <laughs> okay. We I called it. This is the night it all changes. The Cavs are going back to the, the Cavs the need PDL right way, now. They're on their Stat. way to the title. Oh man, the world. No. It is. Um, you guys could have told me that before I started talking them up as the bad boy Pistons. Could you please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are checking. You guys have your uh, your phones out, I guess, when I'm going into my monologue. I'm monologuing here. So good to know. <laughs> yeah, they were down. The Clippers were down 10 with two, with two and a half minutes left. The uh, the research staff, they send me alerts sometimes. Uh, <laughs> that's what happened. 
Michael Jackson <laughs> is uh, is is going. So well, well good I, to see good to see them get a get a win finally. But yeah. I'll say this, Ryan, to your question. I mean, the thing that I think is unique about the Clippers, you know, you said they have a lot of depth that they need to rely on Leonard as much as it seems they might need to. You know, my expectation was they didn't need to rely on Leonard to be the sixth best player in the league. I did, I do think they need to rely on him to be like the 30th best player in the league. Like he hasn't, I mean, he played literally like parts of two games and, and basically, you know, have shut him back down. So, I mean, if that's the, if that's the Kawhi Leonard, they have, you know, they're going to have, they're going to be sort of in that low like that play in range. I just don't think they have the horses on the high end outside of PG, but I mean, I think the expectation was that the last time Leonard played, you know, he was the, what the fifth best player in the league or somewhere in that mix. And then yep. he tore his ACL, which like is obviously a traumatic injury. It takes a long time to come back, but it is the year 2022. I mean, most there's guys that come back from ACL injuries all the time and, you know, are somewhere in the same zip code of what they were performing at. Um, obviously he has other knee things. He has had sort of the, 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 the bigger challenges around some of his, you know, his knees, but I, for one, am surprised that he hasn't been able to play basically at all. Um, and so then when you kind of, when you, when you watch them as a result, they just, they don't have, they have no consistency. I mean, I think that's what the thing is the most interesting to me is like Paul George is awesome, but he also just does weird stuff sometimes. And it seems like everyone sort of follows his, his bent. It's just, they all kind of, there's a lot of kind of get in mind at different points in time. Whereas, whereas I feel like if Kawhi is in the rotation and playing more regularly, there's a bit more of a, pe- a natural pecking order that would be kind of established to allow guys to sort of fall into more divine roles. By the way, I don't know if you saw this start, but um, Kawhi Leonard does not have a timetable for when he will return. Uh, and he hasn't had one since, I think, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't had one since San Antonio. So yes, yeah. so that year in 2017 when I played nine games, that was pretty a fun year. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I um yeah, I, I yeah. So I, I just I wonder, you know, with the Clippers, yeah, where they're coming, but obviously they got a big win tonight. We'll see what happens there. I also I um I've been reading that Ian Thompson book I was telling you guys about last time, and it had some really it's some great color about. Uh, Nowitzki and his uh, mentor. I think you guys um, heard about him. He like is mm-hmm. the guy who started coaching him in, in Germany. Holger, yeah, Holger, and like they he goes into great detail about the workout that Nowitzki did with him and the, the normal stuff they would do, and it was just it was crazy. I mean, you could you watch this thing, how hard he worked, and you you just understand like this is why this guy is who he is, who he became. Now at the same time. Whiskey has come out subsequently to his retirement and said he wished he retired a couple of years earlier so he could yeah, actually right. like walk and play soccer with his kids and he can't do that, which is just really sad to think about. Um, but when you read this workout, you're like, well, yeah, he was working. He he got the most he possibly could um, uh-huh. out of his body. But Hol- Holger is like is a total character, and it it went into detail about how he, um, like when he brought Nowitzki over to play in the kind of infamous uh, like um, world game between the U S and, and the world uh, for high school guys, 
he just said go in and immediately just start dunking on them as fast as you can <laughs> to just because yeah you forget back then i mean there hadn't been a guy like him before um who came over and played the way he did and did it and the other thing that holger said is that you he really fought the mavericks on not making nowitzki uh get in the weight room because his whole view back then um was that getting in the weight room is what to have a big a tall player who can play on the perimeter mm. they just don't go to the weight room like do just mm. a little bit of it but that's how you keep your movement and your ability to play on the perimeter and it's crazy because last month who did he hang out with and who did he give that advice to victor Wimbanyana. he met oh, with him wow. and gave him the exact wow. same advice he's like you're amazing you're going to change the game you know just like dirk did or more like he was like you're going to change the game again it's going to be incredible and he said his one piece of advice is just if they try to do the wake room don't go anywhere near it <laughs> if they, <laughs> they try to make a strong guy out of you you will be finished before you are 25 everybody and, is surprised that a tall guy can move like this but he can only move like this because he's not heavy that's what people wow oh uh, wow and whatever you do retire at the age of 29 <laughs> <laughs> if you want to if you want to hang out with your children and your dotage definitely do that but wow. i i thought that was really profound actually because it yeah. is like there's a different it's a different type of um a different type of game it's not it's not football it's not um it's it's not just you know having the shuttle having like the spark score that's going to get you where you want to do it's it's having yeah, just the ease of movement and all those things. So I, I just, I wonder, I mean, Holger was like a total iconoclast. Again, like took this guy, like he and Dirk were close. They went out, like when Dirk lost the MVP, when he got the MVP, when they lost to Golden State in the first round. And I had forgotten, like Nelly, we, we we did the like, I see you big German thing, but just the reminder of Dirk playing against Nelson, his mentor, the guy who brought him over, <laughs> who knew all of his weak spots and just set, you know, Jackson and Baron Davis and Matt Barnes, all those guys after him. Um, but he goes out in the wilderness of, you know, the, the bush in Australia with Holger for like six weeks, just hanging out off the grid. So they were very close, but just someone who's that kind of brilliant thinking about things. I just wondered if other performance co that people have invested so much money and time and performance and fitness now and how you do that. And I just wonder like, are they listening to stuff like a guy like that who has like a totally different mm. view of things? Um, well, Anthony Davis agrees. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, AD got so big last year. I mean, he just basically couldn't stay on the court. Now he, he's had other challenges throughout his career and staying on the court too. Now I E falling all the time, but it is, uh, it, it, it strikes me. I mean, AD showed up last season looking more like Dwight Howard than Dirk Nowitzki. Right. So it's, it's, and and for much of his career, Davis was always right. I mean, what made him a unicorn was that he basically played point guard until he was like 16 and then he grew like a foot. Exactly. So so it's a great you, point. That's it. Give it away. He's the best example. That's that's what's I mean, that and falling all the time. <laughs> you could <laughs> stay out of the right room and stop falling all the time. And he would have been uh he'd be an MVP candidate again. It, so it's like yeah. when uh, you know, they said critics of tiger Woods said he had the perfect golf body when he was more skinny and wiry and then he, he bulked up and started looking like a free safety and it's like uh was that part of that he also had other factors that led to his uh struggles but uh 
<laughs> Still has a decent resume, so I can't be too hard on him. <laughs> well, yeah, he wanted to be he wanted to be like a Navy SEAL too, right? Like he yeah, was like, too, yeah. He was trying to that was his that was what he really wanted. But you're right. I mean, it's probably golf probably somewhat like that, right? Where it's it's the similar sort of you know, obviously you don't need as much running and jumping, obviously, but just kind of being lithe and being kind of like having ease of motion. Um, yeah, yeah, although then really you had uh, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, who kind of, is that the right, DeChambeau? Who, uh, yeah. He went super bulky just to like, because he was already a big hitter and then went to a whole nother level. Um, so that, I guess there's a, another approach to take, but I think by and large, yeah, that's true. But even he, he's the, he's another great example. He can't Injuries. stay healthy now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Good point. Yeah, the other, the other thing I've been thinking about, you know, since the last pod is just with all the football games going on, um, you know, both college and pro, like University of Washington, um, me and Michael's team, um, we have this great, yeah, we have this great quarterback this year. He's a transfer. He's probably going to leave the NFL because even though he may not be a first round pick or anything, but he's been so incredible. He's injury prone. He should go if do whatever's best for you. Uh, Mike, you're the man. Thank (laughs) you for giving us this year, but it's funny. Like the defense is not that good. Um, we have some good skill guys, like a couple, like maybe one good, really good receiver, a couple of guys that are decent lines. Okay. But you you realize that in the in college football and the pros, right? I mean, the Chiefs win last night. The Titans kind of controlled much of the game. Um, it's it's a pretty ugly game. They're somehow ahead, even they're playing like a rookie quarterback. And then Mahomes just kind of does his thing at the end of the game, ties the game up in a crazy way. They get like six two point conversion opportunities, and he he runs one in, and and they do it. And I I just wonder, do you guys think that? This, can the same thing work in the NBA where if you have one of those quarterbacks, you know, you have one of those like star players, you can kind of, is it the same dynamic where you can always be in a game? Like you, you might play bad, like the chiefs played pretty bad last night from the parts I saw, but they still pulled it out. Cause they have Mahomes. And if you didn't have Mahomes or someone like him, there's no way they would just lost the game. And it, they would have deserved to lose probably. So do you think that carries over the NBA too, where if you have like, is, is it's the same dynamic, I feel like, right. Where you have, if you have a Doncic, if you have, you know, a Lillard and his, and, you know, um, these different guys who can just kind of score and do things that no one else can do that they can just kind of carry you from night to night and you can be competitive, even though your team doesn't perform well. Um, but yeah, curious to get your guys' thoughts on that. No, we don't it's need Miller or Simons. We're fine without without either one. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Jerry, Jerry, Jeremy Grant. Uh, yes, <laughs> Jerry Grant. He's the Geno Smith of uh, the Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny listening to you talking. It's like as if a team that has an all-time superstar could miss on three straight lottery picks and still come back and win the NBA title. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, true. and it kind of sounds like the, I mean, that the Mavericks, that that was the first thing that came to mind is Luca. That, uh, I mean, I've, I've sort of joked about him being a one man team, but now he has Christian Wood. So he's got, got <laughs> your a guy, your cast. guy. Yeah, yeah. I like, do you love, you always like the reclamation projects. You were in on Wiggins, <laughs> you're in on Christian Wood. You never give up on anybody. You're like, <laughs> you're like the Jim Eaney of NBA fans. You just, That's right. you're, just never, you're, you're loyal. <laughs> Exactly. You're still getting on the conference call with Christian Wood uh, 
you know, after all the years. So keep doing it. <laughs> oh man. It is uh I will say, Ryan, it's been fun to see a little res- resuscitation of your Denver Nuggets, man. They were a little concerning there, but oh man, may not be <laughs> Jamal Murray might not be coming back, but Bones Highland. You didn't know you he was yeah, the man, man you needed. Yeah. I think Jokic is gonna keep averaging 12 turnovers until Bones takes over <laughs> the point guard position. <laughs> so he's a lot more fun with Bones doing Bones. <laughs> bones in it up than uh than Murray, but uh yeah, man. I mean, it's such a like, yeah. Like we've been saying over and over again, it's such a weird year so far. But then you still have you know all is right with Giannis. All is right in the world. I mean, do you guys think that? I mean, are we seeing a little bit that Lopez being fully engaged and healthy, not the same as Middleton? Like Middleton, obviously, like when the chips are down, you're playing great teams. You got to have him. He's incredible, but. Having Lopez in the in the interior with Giannis is pretty scary from a night to night perspective, right? Like, I mean that, I mean just the difference between Lopez and Portis, like guarding the rim is just off the charts. And Lopez was playing for the Lakers. He was in that one of those random Lakers teams, right? Wow, that's right. I forgot about that. He was in the Delo trade. Yeah, one of the early sort of like Sean Marks reclamation projects was sending Lopez to L.A getting off his money and basically getting low, uh, getting D'Lo back. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. But since it's impre- we talked about, I think last year, some, but it's just, yeah, Lopez, that's just so incredible to me how, how good they are so far. But yeah, I, uh, it's good to see bones. I, I, uh, I'm still worried about Murray. Good to see MPJ actually upright. <laughs> so, <laughs> see what happens from there. For now, for now, it's looking ahead of ourselves. Still a lot of, yeah. Yeah, Deion Jordan be on the team. DeAndre, sorry, DeAndre Jordan be on the team is, uh, I don't know, it's a little scary, but they made some good moves other than that. I, I did see this pretty funny video that Bones Highland, he released after their game a couple of nights ago, and it was set to like a Marvin Gaye song, and it was it was an awesome video, but there was a whole bunch of dump-off passes to, to DeAndre Jordan. I was like, no, 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 no. please, love <laughs> Was it the uh, famous uh, Marvin Gaye 83 All-Star Game anthem? Uh, it wasn't the anthem, no. It was actually it was sexual healing, which is, you know. But I think Bones is talking about the feeling he's got, which is, I think, inspiring <laughs> for a starting role. He's, he's, he's blood in the water. He's coming for Murray, man, yeah. <laughs> Murray, Murray practiced karate. I don't know if you knew that, though. I think they oh, talk gosh. about it in every broadcast. Oh, my gosh. So, Did you yeah. guys watch the documentary on the Redeem team? Not yet. I need to. What you have you seen it? What'd you think? I have. It's good. Um Shashesky, uh showed the team a clip of the of the Marvin Gaye song before I practiced uh, that they Oh, really? Three, yeah. As uh, as part of motivation. And uh he had a lot of interesting motivation tactics and it it always surprise it surprises me. Like I knew that behind the scenes he had a little more Bob Knight to him than we realized, but hearing him sort of you know be crap pretty crass at times with the players it was like oh because he's just when his public image is is very different so it was it was interesting going uh behind the scenes with coach k <laughs> yeah he's like the one standard deviation in from bobby knight where he's like he has enough self-control to choose what he cho- he only does it around people he has complete power over as the coach but uh, behind <laughs> closed doors <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. That I want to see that. I mean, I think it's, 
the whole Kobe dynamic is just so fascinating. Where yeah, was can... it was it a little hey geographic about Kobe, or or is it does it feel like it sort of like sits in the you know in, in a fair space for him? I just I feel like a number of things that have been produced in retrospect that include Kobe, even if they're not centered around him, are all very illustrative to they sort of whitewash some of the the elements of that you know i, I kind of want to be like guys i was here for this this is not a, this is not <laughs> the whole story yeah i mean he gets he gets a lot of time they talk a lot about the dynamics with with him and and lebron but they did emphasize how um much of an influence kobe did have on the team in terms of his work ethic he was he was getting him them all into the gym earlier and um uh, I actually enjoyed some of the like a side stuff where uh, LeBron was is like was Mr. Playful. Um, like he was the one that was get would always he was like the 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 comedy, uh, the one doing the comedy on the team. And he would always he'd be giving Kobe a hard time. And you realize Kobe sense of humor was uh, Kobe had many talents, but sense <laughs> of humor was not one of them. But he kind of appreciated like, all right, LeBron is good at this. He can. He has this thing, and I'll just kind of pl- play along with it. And um, but I, I found that those interactions kind of interesting. That was the time when that's the era where LeBron was doing the camera, like his whole team would get together on the sideline for the game, and they pretend to take the picture and all be yeah. like posing for it and stuff. It's like... It was before the Boston Garden came for blood, and everything yeah. changed. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's funny though. It's it's funny the next. It's it's obviously generation below you, Michael, significantly. But seeing, I'm just amazed by the. This is maybe just Josiah's twelve. Josiah's twelve, but it's like, not only do they, it's like him and his generation love Kobe. Like Kobe's their guy. Um, obviously LeBron and a lot of different things, but like, there's Kobe has a connection there. I think, obviously, people who didn't see Jordan or know Jordan in a way even that LeBron does it, it sort of reminds me of like his favorite Star Wars character is Anakin. Like when I, when I saw the uh, prequels, like in college or however many years ago it was for me, I was like, I'm never showing this to my kids. Like we're going to pretend it never existed. It's like the Godfather part three of, uh, of Star Wars. But then like, you know, Clone Wars, all this stuff, Anakin Skywalker. He's his favorite guy. It's like he does become Vader just uh, eventually, but no, he's, he's, he's he had a good run. <laughs> he was also the most annoying kid ever, but in between, he was great. Uh, so I just think it's so funny how that, like, the, just that, not the, cool. just the, the, the kind of how people look back and view people. They don't really see all that stuff where that intermediary time between Shaq and between Gasol, where it was pretty, pretty, pretty shaky for a while there. So. Well, and that's the thing, the like individual Kobe portion with the, like, which I kind of, cons- the Kobe era, which is, which is with Gasol. I mean, it really was a three-year window, right? I mean, he gets, it, it basically, he has this Shaq era, then they're in the desert for like four years and he almost demands the trade. Then they get Gasol and they have the three-year finals run. And then basically the next year is the Bynum, JJ Barea clothesline. And then it's all over again. I mean, they basically like, you know. Are, are I think they get swept the next year again in the playoffs, and I don't think they make the playoffs again, if I recall. I mean, it's like it's it's sort of funny that's like this guy who gets reputed as like the all-time competitor, like greatest, you know, one of the top five greatest players of all time, five rings, etc. You know, 
outside of that Shaq run, I mean, much of his career was really centered around those three finals. Yeah, that's true. It's it's also it right his the end of his career reminds me a little bit of LeBron right now, where the plan was it was they got Howard and they were gonna get Chris Paul eventually. And if Stern doesn't stop that trade, where basically they have Paul, Howard, and Kobe, even Kobe in his dotage where he's not coming back from the injury and struggling, it's still like you know, he could be he could be the guy who's like scoring like a scorer next to those guys and still they could have had some fun. Uh made a little bit of noise. And I, I kind of feel like LeBron's in that same boat where it's like I mean, he's definitely better than Kobe was at that point in his career, but still with injury and everything. But it's just like those guys need like it, those guys need to be in that dynamic where they have people to because Chris Paul, I mean, he's had I mean that's so long ago now. He was incredible then. I mean, that was like his mm. his peak. <laughs> it was yeah. like he was entering his peak. That was right after he told Carmelo he was going to join him and his daughter Mary in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was saying that about Blake Griffin and DeAndre that he was coming yeah. there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's yeah, I totally. I mean, Kobe just he's just yeah, it's it he, the perception of him, and I think the way he did it with himself, with the obviously his passing and his daughter is just so sad. Um, so he deserves all the all the credit for everything he did, but I I think um even the black mamba thing and he just he understood how he it was portrayed how he presented himself and and this thompson book is interesting because it talks about that year it's the it's he talks about the olympics and it's so it's the it's the you know 2010 11 season so um you know the spurs are all around are around right then and um you know, Kobe's trying to defend the title. Um, the Celtics are trying to get back to win, to win it again. And it's just, there's a lot going on and um, just, yeah, just how, um, you know, competitive and engaged that era was. Um, but at the same time, to your point, Michael, it was, it wasn't, you know, Kobe had like these flashes of brilliance and, um and the one thing Thompson does emphasize is just that the he just you know some of it's a little bit rough on LeBron honestly, um, but just the way Kobe didn't really the fact that he didn't care what people thought, and he embraced being the heel. If you want to think about the WWE, I'll bring it back. Last week mm-hmm. I was like down WWE event back, but we're we're Kobe willingly engaged that and did that, and all of it. The Lakers fans loved him for it, and he really didn't care, and he was like. You know, he went from like rapping at All Star Weekend when he was twenty to, um, you know, to just cursing people out and not caring about that stuff. And you know, there was something in that. Yeah, you know, I really think again to bring all my NBA metaphors together. I do feel like it was like he was the original NBA artist, where he was just a cataclastic, a loner, didn't relate well to others, just had his craft and his passion for what he did. It's like you know doing a movie with Kubrick or something where it's just like or James Cameron we're like you know shooting for the 76th day at in the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> it's freezing cold outside at three in the morning yeah, yeah and we're still doing it so yeah yeah it's really interesting I, I gotta check that out that's cool yeah that's a good it's on Netflix right yeah, yeah that'd be good it did seem like the 
another part that I found interesting is that it seemed like Shashevsky pinpointed LeBron as the one he needed to really like earn his trust and and respect. And because Kobe was like just Kobe loved Shashevsky and he was just going to buy into whatever and Shashevsky, whatever he was asking Kobe, Kobe was on board with. But um, but it seemed like LeBron, maybe there was some skepticism of of a Duke head coach that was part of uh, LeBron had was a little uneasy at first with Shashevsky. So Shashevsky had to had to win him over, which he you know, I think he he was like the master of uh, managing those relationships and knowing how to endear himself to LeBron. So, um, you know, uh, Shashevsky, obviously his record speaks for itself since he won one golds every time it maybe and Larry Brown couldn't have done it. I think we can say, cause of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was manning the ship for the losses, but, um, but he, you know, credit to Colangelo that, that was the, the, I think, the perfect coach selection. Yeah. So you're saying, are you saying that Mike Shashevsky uh, put in LeBron's locker a wrinkle in time, a la Ted Lasso and <laughs> Roy Kent? Is that is that what we're saying here? Exactly. It's, perfect. He was, to know. he was the he was the guy. Yeah, it's a good point because Kobe and, and Coach K definitely seem like they they have their simpatico. Like he doesn't yeah. need. He doesn't need to like, he doesn't have to earn, he doesn't have to get him on board. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. well, there's stuff. I mean, I think there's stuff in the Thompson book too, just about how, and Simmons alludes to it regularly where, you know, if it's that anecdote of the, of the um, Carmelo wedding reception or just that, that group, that crew that, you know, him and LeBron and Carmelo and Wade and those guys, you know, it did take Kobe to kind of get get, get the ship going the right direction, and and LeBron, you know, that dynamic had its complications. It'd been interesting. Like, I mean, obviously, it's the least important thing about you know if Kobe was still with us today, but it would have been interesting, like that doc with Kobe, hmm. like able to speak to it himself. Like, I don't know. It's interesting to get his kind of looking back perspective on the dynamics and the relationships, if you really tell the whole story of what he was thinking, because it seems like it's always alluded to that. He was like, these guys are like immature, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. V- vanilla vodka. What a child sort of situation. Right. So maybe, maybe, maybe Kobe <laughs> is where I can't, I'm, I'm using Ray Kent as example too many times here, but there was a scene where um, Carmelo talked about how, you know, Kobe inspired them all to get into the gym early in the morning. And um, but Carmelo's like, but I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there at 4 30 like Kobe. <laughs> like, come on, that's a little absurd. Like, I'll be down there at 8 30, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That was part of I think Kobe's just unique wiring. I mean you we've talked about this before where there's, there's a a very small section of the population. I think it's been shown that there's, there is a genetic thing where the people who can get by with only sleeping three or four hours a night. And there's talk about how people who have accomplished much uh, share that, whether it's uh, the ones that come to mind would be, well, I think Jordan, 
you hear the tales of him being up consecutive nights in a row when he was with the original dream team, but, uh, and then tiger and then, and, and Kobe was always three hours and I can never figure out like, there has to be a downside to that. Cause the, I don't know how their bodies can recover that, but I mean, I guess, uh, we've seen how that's gone South in a way for some of them, but, um, but I think Kobe, again, it's like, you know, not everybody can, can be like you like not everyone is wired like you that mm-hmm. uh, only needs three hours of sleep so yeah not everyone wants to be yeah the other well i guess one thing on the sleep part is i do think sleeping like less than four hours like three and a half is better than trying to sleep like five hours because you come out of your like deep sleep like it's like you get you you wake yeah. up at right, like cycle, yeah. when you're like a light light sleeper and it actually so i do wonder if that's part of the, the other guy you didn't mention who who uh he actually i was reading a biography of him and he actually um he uh he read that that same thing you're talking about and it, it was many years ago he read about in history there was like really one of the things that was common about really um, influential people had huge lives and did really amazing big things. They didn't sleep very much. They didn't sleep like more than four hours a night. So he started because he read that started sleeping four hours a night. Um, How did that work out for him? Well, he does have something in common. So who did we say? We said Kobe, Jordan, Tiger, Tiger, William Jefferson, Clinton. So I mean, they all have Ah. something in common, (laughs) at least three of them in terms of when you're up all night all the time, Sometimes some bad choices. You got to fill the time somehow, yeah, man. Comes out, so, um, John Gruden was another one. Things kind of uh, went south yeah, for him recently, too. Totally. He has too many, too much time writing emails, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think it becomes kind of part of their mystique, too, where it's like, like you kind of relate. You get you get someplace, get, like John Gruden get up at 317 in the morning, and that was like his shtick that he always would do that. Um. Obviously, he wasn't using his time that efficiently because he didn't keep learning about football past 2003. So I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> he was just writing emails to Bruce Allen. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. And you see the Nowitzki thing. I, mean, I think that's that was really cool with that book. You know, the, I see a big German was that that Kobe did recognize that same. Like Nowitzki was the closest to him in terms of that that focus, and for. Kobe, it came out of confidence, arrogance, and and Dirk, it came out of a sense of um, you know weakness, a sense of anxiety, a sense of fear that he wasn't going to meet the expectations or show that he belonged and everything. Because he had a lot, he had so much writing on him. I mean, you, you forget that that he, you know, his right first European to win MVP. Like it's just there was so much on him and how things changed from you know, he was drafted to, to now. Um, but he was one of the other guys that had that sort of just total focus. And you think about mm-hmm. Steph, you think about those guys, I mean, yeah, LeBron I has a lot of, of that Steph. too, but it's just, it's not the same, you know? So, well, when you were talking about Dirk's whole routine, that, that did make me think of, of the routine that Curry has, which not just the stuff that he does like b- before the game, but I mean, he, he has uh, like the most, it seems like the most, extensive um practice regiment that i've seen in terms of many practices every shot every angle like totally. fadeaways 
Totally. Uh, you know, you're exactly he's, right. He's, he's, he's doing everything to master the craft. Yeah. And the whiskey's like in the, again, in this part of the, the book, he's, 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 he's like working so hard that he's like, he just wants to stop. He's like, compl- he's just like, oh, I hate, I just, uh. and Holger or whatever says, hey, you can stop whenever you want. But he's like, no, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> it, it's just like those guys. I mean, Ray Allen comes to mind too, just those guys who had a different level of preparation and focus where they had their own own standing. That's what's so crazy about LeBron is he has some of that clearly. Like he he works super hard and you know, he does the right things. He's totally focused and motivated on being great, but there's just something different. And I think it we're seeing it with Brady, just the 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 downside of that. It definitely has like negative effects. Like Brady has the opposite, he doesn't sleep. Four hours a night, sleeps fourteen hours a night. So that has its own problems. Has its own problems. Uh, oh, he's happy again. They let a game-winning drive on Sunday. Everything's right now, and his everything's life. fine. Kate yeah. Otten, baby, go dogs! Yeah. Nice. I knew it, man. I knew he, I knew Otten would be perfect for Brady. It's just like, it's like a little puppy dog. Like, get out there! Come on, catch that touchdown pass. <laughs> One hundred thousand yards. It's That's crazy. unbelievable. Yeah, even today, it's just nuts. So. Rest well, NBA. Hopefully you get a little more sober going forward. Take it easy. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3ND Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit. <laughs>